Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself begin our discussion on the Eighth Commandment. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. We're here. We're here, and we love it. Yes. Okay, well, we should jump right in today, I think. Should we introduce ourselves? I think people, I think our handful of listeners know who we are. There's one guy, like, in Nevada who just heard this, (laughs) and starting on episode 38, and he's like, who are these people? And we're going to keep it from you. (laughs) Okay, yeah, it's a mystery. Yeah. All right. All right, well, let's jump in. We're on the Eighth Commandment today as we continue to walk through the catechism. And I think I'm just going to go ahead and read that for us, and we'll dive into our conversation here. So the Eighth Commandment, here it is. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we may not deceitfully belie, betray, slander, or defame our neighbor, but defend him, think and speak well of him, and put the best construction on everything. All right, there we have it, Eighth Commandment. Amen. Amen. This is uh, this is the commandment for the present day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think I've shared this story in the past on this, even on this podcast. But I'm a pastor, so I like to repeat stories. Mm-hmm. You guys, you guys probably don't. Well, do that, that way you only need to have three or four stories. There you go. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow, this is a commandment that uh, when I was walking through the Ten Commandments with my kids and my family around the dinner table, and. This is Gideon's first time listening to the commandments. He was younger. This is a few years ago. And we were on the Eighth Commandment. And I said, all right, everybody, let's hear the Eighth Commandment. And Gideon said, what is it, Dad? What is it? And I said, uh, you shall not bear false witness. And he said, what does that mean? You should not lie. And he went, ew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, we're we're into that uh, bearing false witness. That's the gloss. The you should not lie. Like we've yeah, been. That's the Christian talking. glosses. Yeah. Don't lie. Yep. Um, and you know we've demonstrated through seven commandments already the relevancy of all of these commandments for modern day life. That it's just not some archaic system that people kind of want to mock the Ten Commandments in, mm-hmm. in in the public sphere. But we're at such a unique point in history right now mm-hmm. because for the first time. Uh, maybe in human history, we have the ability to express opinion, to attack, to accuse anonymously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook, uh, especially Twitter, where you don't yep. even have to have your name there. Yep. Uh, and, and so that your words can do the damage that words in a face-to-face conversation do, sure. but you don't have any of the immediate repercussions of being there. Maybe we should introduce ourselves now. Of being <laughs> no, anonymous. anonymous. <laughs> it is kind of like drive drive by slandering, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's an epidemic, and uh, you know, I I think the the example uh, I I think of, and, and it's a hard example because not a lot of fans of the person who was the victim, but there's a major league baseball player who was turned a sports commentator by by the name of Kurt Schilling, Mm. who's a a very polarizing political figure now. Uh, And uh, someone came after, he he made a post about his daughter playing in college, college softball, and someone came after his daughter with really uh, attacking 
uh, inflammatory remarks. I, I can't remember what it was, uh, but it was criminal. And um, the, Kurt Schilling sent the authorities after this person, and the man was fired, because, but he had tried to post from an anonymous uh, Twitter account, and he was fired from his job. Mm. And, you know, these are the things is we have grown up. I think, you know, the three of us, not so much. We all remember pre-internet. Uh, you know, I even remember Barely. pre-cable TV. Yeah. yeah. But, the, you know, our kids are growing up uh, yeah. in the culture where your words don't matter anymore because you can hide. Mm-hmm. And it's this this commandment is going to hit home on a lot of issues. Yeah. I guess the other elephant in the room is the week that we're recording. This is the week after Charlottesville Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, all of the hatred that we have seen um, by many people. And there is no greater time to preach the saving gospel of Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ. And I know that that's true for every generation and for every time, but boy, as a, as a pastor, as a dad um, and a husband, you know, the gospel is really our only hope. Mm-hmm. You know, this world is not our home, and I say hallelujah and amen to that. But while we're here, uh, may God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And mm-hmm. uh, I just, the importance of the gospel of Christ is is so crucial right now. Mm-hmm. It's It does seem like for the first time in a long time, there's a more somber tone mm-hmm. to what's going on. You know, most of the time I've just dismissed the right versus left politics, reputation, attacking as, uh, you know, ridiculous. I'll roll my eyes or, or, you know, Mm -hmm. recognize the hypocrisy in it. But, you know, like you said, a week after Charlottesville now Mm -hmm. and seeing what Americans are capable of doing to other Americans in just ugly ways because of disagreement and built on top of the, the underlying ugliness of racism which is a completely different issue. And, and I want to be very careful intentionally mm-hmm. not equating the racism of the white supremacist movement with the lashing out on both sides of the political spectrum with the mm-hmm. protesters and the counter-protesters and things mm-hmm. like that. Racism is always a much bigger issue and has no place in the kingdom of God. But the, the only way that reconciliation uh, for, for such a divided nation is going to come about is by the preaching of the gospel. You rightly identified that. Amen. Yeah, and you know, coming back to this commandment here, it it has a, a lot to do with the words that we say, the words that we say about each other, and that's that's one thing that stands out to me right away. Even just reading it this morning and thinking through, uh, even the "what does this mean" section, mm-hmm. there's a lot there's a yeah. lot of great words in there. Even though we don't talk, you use the word like "belie" very much, yeah. or um, or you know, defame. Yeah, all, some of those words, we are, it's not our usual way of talking, but um, it expresses a, a it, it opens up this commandment to um, lots of different ways of talking about it, which we've seen through each of the commandments is there's a, a deeper level beyond the gloss. And, and I think more than any other commandment here, Luther doubles down on what this is talking about. He'll go on to say in the large catechism that, yeah, our words are a big issue. And you think about the, the supercharged political climate he was in in the Reformation and, you know, the, the character attacks that people uh, were, were levying against him, mm-hmm. that he was a heretic or some sort of monstrous beast. Uh, I remember a piece of propaganda I saw at the Luther exhibit here in Minneapolis uh, last winter, and it was this seven-head 
seven-headed Luther monster. It was supposed to coincide with something in scripture that he was being accused of one of the beasts in Revelation or something like that. And Luther, being Luther, looked at the picture and he kind of smirked and he said, oh, they should have had necks, you know, things like that. But Luther knows what it's like to lobby you know, lob insults at each other, and Luther himself was guilty of it. Luther, oh, yeah. yep. Luther had a pretty foul tongue mm-hmm. and uh, was vicious towards his enemies. Uh, and so Luther's context, but where I'm going with this is that in the large catechism, he extends it especially to our thoughts, mm-hmm. is that our words, you know, just like what Christ says, what defiles a man is what's coming out of that man, not yeah. what's going into that man. And And so it's one thing, to discipline yourself and to bite your tongue. You know, it's better to be thought a fool, uh, to be silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt sort of a thing. Yeah, right. That's that <laughs> I like terrible. That. I uh, do too. But the other thing is, is these attitudes and these words we struggle with, the taming the tongue like James says in James chapter 2. Uh, uh, is it chapter 2? Yeah, it's taming the tongues in James chapter mm-hmm. 2. Uh, flow from our thoughts, from our internal prejudices and and we we really here i think begin to understand what the sinful nature is all about and what original sin is all about because of of all of the commandments this is going to be the one we have find the hardest to remove that taint Mm -hmm. you know we can lie to ourselves with the killing and the anger in commandment number five Mm -hmm. Uh, we can try to tame our lusts in commandment number six and we we talked about chasing the purity idol and things like that uh, but in, in commandment number eight, and then in nine and ten after this, when you get into the thoughts mm-hmm. and you get into the coveting, uh, to find out that these little things that you know they're they're victimless crimes because they stay internally, those are the things that damn us. Mm-hmm. And and the the intensity of the t- ten commandments is going to take a giant leap forward in these discussions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a little bit of a flow to the commandments that thinking about you know the second table of the commandments being. Uh, how we relate to our neighbors around mm-hmm. us in, through the different vocations. There it is. There you we go. Beat me to it I, again. I beat you to I'm it. I'm out of yeah. practice. Um, and yeah, thinking about their their bodily welfare, thinking about their stuff, um, thinking about now their reputation. Just out of clarity, the taming of the tongue is James chapter three. Just, oh, oh, there we oh, go. Pure Bible class. trivia. <laughs> wah, wah, it's four hundred point loss for me. But right? what's funny is chapter two is the sin of partiality. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and you just, you know, how this really ties into it. And the thing that's been extraordinary to me, um, even among Christians, and this saddens me, and I'm just going to be honest, is the lack of humility of and our willingness to really walk in the parable or the, the example that Christ gave is the whole log sliver thing. You know, we're so quick to point out other people's misgivings or, or opinions that we don't agree with, but we are so unwilling to look in the mirror of God's law, allow humility through the grace of God to be birthed in our heart so that we can walk in the selfless, sacrificial love that Christ has asked us to and to be one, but we're not. And it's this our sin. And I hope that in the midst of all of this yuckiness, the one thing we can learn is how humility is so needed in the church today and how we need to be at the foot of the cross as blind beggars waiting for Christ uh, to lead us and guide us and to teach us. but We'll see, too, that the Eighth Commandment here, this is one of the cardinal sins of the fall in the Garden of Eden, uh, is that we will see 
Adam's response to being confronted by sin in his own life was to blame. And as long as we can make someone else look worse than we are, mm-hmm. we don't have to repent. Yeah. We don't have to uh, confront that in our lives. And again, this is exactly what we're seeing in modern society is we get so preoccupied with the sins of others that we fail to examine our own sins and, and how we are just like that. Mm-hmm. And, and this is, you know, the Eighth Commandment does a particularly good job of talking about stuff like that. Yeah, good. So let's dig into that a little bit. You know, the we've used the two P words with each of the commandments, prohibit and promote. And so, Jason, what does this commandment prohibit? Well, we have the whole list uh, from the... Uh, explanation in the small catechism, but you go down how Luther expands that in the large catechism. The first thing ruling out, obviously, uh, is to bear false testimony in court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you uh, almost you hear that even in yeah. the, the commandment, bear false witness. Do not bear false yeah. witness. And, and, it's, and it, it really is a court commandment mm-hmm. that we would not wrongfully accuse someone. And, and Luther, uh, in his, his extreme Lutherness, really rails at the Jews of the Old Testament uh, because it was you know, so habitual, we see uh, in the Old Testament, we see, um, uh, we, we, we talked about it with the last commandment with Naboth's vineyard, uh, that you know, Jezebel drummed up people for false accusations. Uh, we see that in the New Testament with, against the Apostle Paul in several cases, especially what ultimately led him to go to Rome was that people testified that he brought a Gentile into the inner courts of the temple, so on and so forth. And so really the, the, the first primary level is that we are not uh, causing someone imprisonment uh, mm-hmm. by lying in court, you know, mm-hmm. bearing false witness. Uh, it's, it's quite literally the, sure. the, the baseline definition of what yeah. this commandment's forbidden. Yeah, you think of the, the image of somebody putting their hand on the Bible and, and saying you know, that vow and promise to speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, you know, so help me God. Uh, that comes to mind, or at least that picture comes to my mind thinking about this. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's one. Uh, Luther, in uh, going against the Roman Catholic Church, uh, cites religious persecution as uh, part of the Eighth Commandment, um, being outed uh, for being a Lutheran, you know, in his time. Or, uh, you know, I, I think he would say that, you know, any persecution of someone's beliefs would fall into that, whether or not we disagree with these beliefs. Now, uh, because he's a product of his time, he had some pretty harsh things to say about people who would willingly choose to believe a false system. Mm-hmm. But uh, the persecution here, there's no place for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then really where we get into the convicting stuff is sins of the tongue. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to sink our teeth into this. Oh. So you have false preaching, which is basically forbidden by every mm-hmm. commandment. Uh, the misuse of, of, of doctrine, mm-hmm. uh, but false preaching is bearing false witness against God, mm-hmm. uh, attributing truth to lies and so on and so forth. Lying, obviously, is bearing false witness, telling mm-hmm. an untruth, yep. uh, gossip, hmm. and slander. Uh, so gossip is something that may be true, that you can't prove it, that you are spreading mm-hmm. from person to person, uh, that damages a person's reputation, uh, slander is intentionally damaging uh, a person's reputation, mm-hmm. uh, and then finally judging. And, and <laughs> you know, this is one of those. Don't judge me. Yeah, don't judge. Don't judge. Right. But uh, what Luther writes is that no one is allowed to publicly judge or reprove his neighbor unless he has a command to judge, 
mm-hmm. you know, it's his vocation, uh, or if he can demonstrate that the sin was committed openly and publicly. Mm-hmm. And so where Luther was, by some of his allies, said, you know, stop railing against the Pope. And Luther said, I can't. It's right here. It's published stuff. This needs to be spoken against. And in the case where the sin is public, it must be condemned publicly. And again, if we're going to bring Charlottesville into this, mm-hmm. uh, the relative silence of evangelical Christians uh, in immediately responding to what was going on with the the driver driving through the crowd of protesters, mm-hmm. uh, we can, in fact, label white supremacy and racism as evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it needed to be immediately condemned. And, and, and so that's in the, in the aspect we can judge. Why would we avoid judging is uh, either we can't or unwilling to prove someone wrong. We don't have the evidence. If Luther says you don't have the evidence, uh, remain silent. He, he writes, we should never deprive anyone of his honor or good name unless it is first taken away from him publicly. And, and basically, mm-hmm. we, we deprive a person honor who's removed that honor themselves mm-hmm. uh, in a public way. Uh, and the principle behind, especially the judging and the condemning, is honor and a good name are easily taken away, but not easily restored. Mm-hmm. How easily is it to fall from grace but how hard is it to repair the damage done to your reputation? Mm-hmm. And this is a very serious thing in Luther's mind because once you're damaged, repu- you have a damaged reputation, uh, you, you miss out on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I, I think, I guess I'm thinking of the church and church life here, but I know a lot of people accuse church people of being gossipy. Mm-hmm. And and I think the way that this the stuff that we're talking about here gets played out in, is between inter relationships between people mm-hmm. and the seemingly minor to the seemingly major things that come up and uh yeah it sometimes it's hard to know the line between gossip and just merely stating a fact or you know you know what I'm talking about there guys mm-hmm. with uh, just the relationships between church people and and different things that happen but um you guys as pastors do you have any ideas or thoughts of calling out gossip and slander and, and judging even within your own church people? It's it's a hard yeah. thing. It, it's really a hard thing. But you, Luther in, in the large catechism writes, if you meet an idle tongue that betrays and slanders someone, it's your responsibility to contradict some such a person mm-hmm. promptly to his face. Sure, Re- rebuke. Rebuke, yeah. yeah. This is where rebuke really comes in. And this is where Matthew 18 comes in too, you know, mm-hmm. where... This passive-aggressive thing, it's like you talk yeah. to Peter so that he'll tell Paul that you're offended at him, you know, is such a ridiculous thing, and <laughs> it's one of my pet peeves. And I think a lot of times, maybe more in the Midwest than others, but yeah. I think that happens a lot, where people are just unwilling to, you know, in the grace of God, speaking the truth and love, go to the brother or sister that they're offended mm-hmm. with directly. You know, they just, they want to go around it. And people are so afraid of confrontation. And I find that to be sad because honestly, confrontation is an opportunity for the redemption of Christ to really be central in the heart of a congregation. Because as we speak in truth and love to our brother or sister in Christ who has offended us or that we maybe need more information on, we actually end up rebuilding the bonds in a stronger way of fellowship and friendship and oneness and unity within the congregation because we wouldn't have had that bonding experience had we not confronted that person in love. And and maybe sometimes we had it wrong or we heard the gossip wrong or sometimes that person, you know, was wrong 
And that's an opportunity, again, for the redemption of the, of the cross to be central in the life of the congregation. And this is, this is an area I will confess that I'm a giant coward in. Mm-hmm. If I uh, come face-to-face with slander or gossip, yep. I usually just say nothing. Let sure. it roll off my back instead of standing up and just move you know, on. You know, even confronting the person saying is, "What proof do you have of this?" You mm-hmm. know, you know. Let's if this is really what you're saying, let's go public with this. You know, and Luther uses that illustration uh, in the large catechism on this, where it's just like, "Okay, you're accusing this person of it. What proof?" Well, I I just kind of heard this by and by. Then you should remain silent, and it, mm-hmm. it feels uh, it, it it feels weird. To mm-hmm. say that, because we have the commands in Scripture to call out sinful behavior in the church, to to publicly confront false teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the key behind all of those is that this is public sin. It can be demonstrated that it's happened. Uh, more often, what gossip reveals is that we have a personal vendetta or a beef, mm-hmm. uh, and you know it, it comes from a heart of pride. Mm-hmm. And I really struggle with that sort of thing because in the end, the the positive, what this is promoting, and we'll spend time on this in in one of the episodes coming up, is to put the best possible construction Mm -hmm. on something. So if it's an event where someone Mm -hmm. acted improperly to ask ourselves, uh, can you imagine a scenario in which what this person did isn't from evil intentions or, or, you know, isn't, you know, a bad, terrible, horrible, awful, no good thing. Uh, Or can you give a person, you know, otherwise to be at least a respectable human being, the benefit of the doubt instead of assuming ulterior motives. That is nearly impossible for someone like me who struggles with the sinful nature to do. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. shameful. Mm hmm. And that's where humility really comes in. You know, I mean, just to be that blind beggar at the foot of the cross because, you know, it is important to have as much information as you can. And I think sometimes we end up being reactionary versus being proactive in some of these things. Mm -hmm. I know that as a pastor, um, one of the things that um, God has used me in is confrontation. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't like that necessarily, you know, and it's not something that I always look forward to. But there is something in me that is extremely unwilling to just let it go for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that's from the Lord. Uh, I do my best to walk in love in that area. And I would say that probably seven times out of ten, I want to be fairly accurate there, it's a positive response and there's redemption in the mm-hmm. center of it. That's great. But you always have the few that that choose to respond in pride and arrogance. And that's you know the thing I've had to learn is that's not my fault. You know, that as I as I speak the truth in love and I come and I go to my brother and sister in Christ and say, hey, this is slander, this is gossip, this is backbiting, this is harmful, you know, anything that pertains to this commandment, um, you know, we need to deal with this in a biblical way. And mm-hmm. this is what Scripture prescribes is how to deal with this. Are you willing to walk in that? And, of course, you're going to have the people that basically use more slanderous words and sometimes some colorful metaphors and, <laughs> and walk out and slam the door in your office. But that's still the gospel. I, I, know, I know that it's hard. I know that it's not fun, but it is necessary because Christ gently confronts his church. And we as shepherds, as what I would call sheepdogs more than shepherds, you know, listening to the great shepherd, uh, we are take, to take the commands of, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the seven letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation show us that we need to gently confront our congregation because that is love. Mm-hmm. God disciplines those whom he loves. 
And I think we need to remember that in the midst of striving for unity and spiritual maturity Mm -hmm. in our congregations. Mm-hmm. And I think we would do well too. And we've come down pretty heavy handed on this so yeah. far. And I think it's necessary because yeah. it's a tolerated sin in the church. Right. But understanding how the gospel responds to this sin is crucial mm-hmm. because this is one of those things where it's so heavy handed that we almost just kind of do the aw shucks, you're forgiven anyway mm-hmm. type of thing, which is not the gospel. But to remember that in, in thinking of our neighbor's reputation, that it is Christ who defends our reputation before the Heavenly Father, even when we didn't deserve it, mm-hmm. even when we don't deserve it. It's that Christ became a sinner when he knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And mm-hmm. so it's Christ takes our sin, the, the thing that which you know the devil slanders us, he accuses us of our sin constantly, mm-hmm. and he makes that his own yeah. so that we might be presentable to God as holy and without blemish, as, as cleansed, as pure, as forgiven. That's the gospel response to, to slander and gossip, is, is that Jesus is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. He is the perfect sinless sacrifice for the sin of the world. And what a great way to end. What a great yeah. way to yeah. to just thank and praise Jesus for the grace and mercy of God. And mm-hmm. uh, If you'd allow me, I, I just feel led to, to read Ephesians chapter 4, the first couple of verses. Uh, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity in the spirit and the bond of peace. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Please join us next week as we continue our discussion on the Eighth Commandment. God bless you and have a great week.